It's Monday, August 2nd, and we have a rotten tomato in our midst. We have Danny Sterling with Elia, and Dinner and Blanc is back. Welcome to Eat It, Virginia. Hello and welcome to Eat It Virginia, voted Richmond's second favorite podcast. My name is Scott Wise and I'm joined as always by my friend, my friend, Roby Martin. First favorite food podcast hosted by Scott and Roby. That's right. There the it first, is. The number one food podcast hosted by Scott and Roby. Speaking of food, Roby, hot tomato summer. While summer continues, hot tomato summer is sort of now over. I ate Just the to- event. Hot tomato summer is not over. Just the event is over. I ate more tomatoes that one week than I think I have my entire life. And that's not even an exaggeration. That is the God's honest truth. So I think I lost. How is this even possible? I don't understand how this is possible. Every night you're going out, you're having fun, you're meeting friends, you're, you're, you're canoodling. Is that even a word? Canoodling? Canoodling is not a word and it does not happen every night as you're aware, as I have a family and I like to be home with my family, but. How did I go out and eat more tomatoes? more than you did how's that even possible well because let me tell you why it's possible so when i go out to eat i don't order every single dish and i did not do that because well that is just what i don't do and you did so you front loaded with all the dishes which i did not i just ordered one one dish per restaurant and i was ordering three per restaurant yeah that's what i'm saying i'm saying that's why i lost (laughs) strategery i had some strategery going on there looks like we have trophies and a giveaway, which I'm going to do at some point in time on the Eat It Virginia Instagram. So if you don't follow us over at Eat It Virginia, you should, because um, we have some Duke's merch that I'm thinking we're going to give away. Duke's mayonnaise merchandise, maybe a hat or two. I see you holding your Hot Tomato Champion 2021 trophy. The fact that it is red and um, gold is amazing. We have Danny Sterling today from Elia Foods. Elia um, rhymes with hell yeah. you've been wanting to do that the entire time and his story so I mean I knew he was super talented and had been in Chicago and had done a bunch of Michelin star stuff but I did not know about his cancer diagnosis and how it led into the vending machine healthy lifestyle so Healthy eating in a vending machine. Not something you hear together often. I don't know about you, but I always think about it like, you know, oh gosh, this is going to date me. But you know, a pack of nabs and a Snapple? Isn't that what you get from your (laughs) vending machine? Well, we have Danny Sterling with us today from Elia. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Elia Food. Yay. Hi, Danny. Hey, Roby. That was my first question. How do you pronounce this thing? It's like capital E, (laughs) capital Y, capital L, capital A. I mean, yeah, yeah. We wanted to sound like hell yeah, because we want people to get excited about a vending machine. (laughs) Is it an acronym? Yeah, it is. It's an acronym for uh, eat like your ancestors, which is also kind of ironic because we're in a vending machine. (laughs) That's it's it's perfect. Wrap it all around. Yeah. Full circle, except now it's convenient, right? Right, right. So how does one... I mean, I know like there's a cupcake vending machine, but that isn't healthy. And then I once saw a champagne vending machine, which your thoughts on whether that healthy is never going to sway the fact that I'm always going to want champagne from a vending machine. But 
tell me about how you got where you are. Yes, um, man, where to start? So uh, to your point, uh, cupcakes can totally be healthy. Um, <laughs> I like champagne. this guy, Ruby. I like this guy. <laughs> champagne in, uh, in respectful quantities can be healthy. Um, yeah, so it's just to set the stage a little bit. Um, I've been a chef for 15 years and um, I always knew I wanted to be a chef whenever I was, I was 12 years old. I was one of the Food Network kids. I you know, watched the Food Network, thought that's what chef life was about um and had a rude awakening whenever i turned uh, 14 and started working at mcdonald's that was my first job <laughs> and You're i knew that, that yeah yeah it was great it was a great experience um whenever i was old enough to drive to a restaurant i'm from a small town called uh, hagerstown maryland um whenever i was old enough to drive to a restaurant i got a job in a restaurant so uh, right after i turned 16 um, and i realized quickly that the food industry was not what they show on, on Food Network. Um, it was a lot harder. I was the youngest uh, guy in the kitchen. It was an all-male kitchen and um, they weren't nice. <laughs> and I thought, okay, I still got time. Like I can pivot, I can do other things. I'm 15, or I'm 16 years old. Um, I don't have to be a chef for the rest of my life, but I can't quit because these guys will think that I'm like a wimp and I don't want that. So I'm just gonna like make my money and I'm gonna go to a normal college. I'm gonna get a normal degree. Um, but I ended up falling in love with it. Um, anybody that's worked in the restaurant or hospitality industry knows that um, sometimes there's a little bit of hardship in the beginning, but then there's a lot of camaraderie towards the end. So I ended up loving that restaurant, the team that I worked with in Hagerstown. Um, went on to, you know, be a, be a chef and I, I went to culinary school and I soon learned, and I don't think that this is true by any stretch of the imagination, but um, that you can either be a fine dining chef or you can be a corporate chef. And there's kind of two different routes you can take and in my mind, I was reading Marco Pierre White's White Heat whenever I was 14 years old. So I was like, I want to do fine dining. I want to do Michelin star. I want to go in that direction. Um, I went to the Greenbrier in West Virginia and did a three-year apprenticeship. And during that time, um, the chef there, Rich Rosendale, was um, doing Boku's Door, um, which is an international cooking competition in France. And the coaches were uh, Danielle Ballou, Thomas Keller, Grant Ackett. So Anytime you could be getting ready for setting up for service and Thomas Keller comes on your station or Danielle Ballou walks by and, you know, I was 19 years old. So I was, of course, starstruck. Um, that segued into Michelin star cooking. I, I worked in a Michelin star restaurant in Chicago for a little while. Um, soon realized whenever I got into the Michelin star world after being in culinary for seven years that uh, or in the, in the hospitality industry for seven years cooking professionally, that Michelin star in life was not for me. I wanted to do something that was maybe a little bit more accessible. You know, I had been doing fine dining my whole life and I realized it was for a very small group of people. I was kind of starting to get into health and nutrition, but I wasn't really full in yet. My wife was taking a nutritional therapy um, course and, and, and kind of working on her NTA um, certification. And uh, I, was, I had a pending job offer in Northern Virginia for a consulting gig with a startup company called Rosenail Collective. Um, which was actually founded by the chef of the Greenbrier that did Boku's Door, Rich Rosendale. Um, so I went and worked for him. And during that time, we started a restaurant together. We launched his startup company for consulting. And in 2016, while all of this was happening, I was diagnosed with testicular cancer. So that kind of hit me, you know, kind of out of left field. It was the fittest I had ever been. I was really into CrossFit. I was working out all the time. I thought I was doing the nutritional stuff correctly. Um, my mother-in-law at the time was also battling ovarian cancer. So my wife and I both just kind of dove into nutrition because it was really at that point, the only thing I could control. Um, 
I had I wanna, been. I want to pause you right there. Yeah. Because you've, you've, you've given us a lot of information. Yeah. I'm rattling. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm trying to think about. I want to make sure from. that we, uh, that we follow up on some of these things before we. Yeah. Forget. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's just start at the end of the story you just told with the testicular cancer diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that you had been the fittest that you had been in your whole life. And it, right. it took you by surprise. Um, obviously when you get diagnosed with something like that, you really, most, many people will kind of just become consumed with like, how did I get this? Like, what are my next steps? How do I survive? Like, how do I do this? Does, does nutrition play a role in getting testicular cancer? Is that one of the factors that, that you found could have led to your, to your diagnosis? Yeah, that's a great question, Scott. I, and I'm glad you asked that because at the, at the time I thought so. I thought that's the only thing that can, you know, cause this disease is purely a metabolic disease. Um, that was five years ago, last Thursday. I've since obviously changed my, my outlook. Mind you, I was a chef, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a healthcare professional by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but the way that I look at it now and the way that I looked at it back then was it doesn't hurt, you know, sure. it doesn't hurt to, to look at holistic health and see how food can play a role in that. Um, and it's changed my life dramatically. I mean, I feel better. Um, I've noticed that there's been a part in that, <laughs> uh, there's been a, a lot of, um, just a lot of benefit that's come from really focusing on what I'm putting in my body. Um, and that is really, I think the impetus for starting Elia. Um, but it all kind of stemmed from that diagnosis in 2016. Also, my wife was telling me I needed to eat better. I was working out all the time, but I was not, you know, following her guidelines. And, uh, whenever I got diagnosed, I was like throwing in the towel. I was like, what do I got to do? Like, just tell me what I got to do. I want to make sure that I can fix this. So how does one start? Like you get this diagnosis that obviously like is, whoa, this is big, big eye opener. How does one say, okay, I need to change tomorrow. I can't just like, you know, now, like, like wait a few weeks. I need to change tomorrow my outlook on what I'm putting in my body. Is there like a, like a, I don't know, a waiting period <laughs> that like your body has to go through to make like, I mean, I know there is, but like, what do you do? Say, okay, it's all weeds from now on, lettuces <laughs> and celeries and everything green and all the colors, but no red meats or what do you do? Yeah. So to answer the first piece of that question, it was not a gradual shift, I think because of the diagnosis, Sure. you know what I mean? It was like, you know, the doctor tells you, it was the very first time I ever heard the word malignant. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, I've, like I said before, never had any desire to be in nutrition or health. Um, and uh, yeah, that was, that was what shifted, you know, that was the shift was like, okay, well, this is something I control. I'm going to listen to my wife because she seems to know what she's talking about. They had already been dealing with this with her mom. So they were already looking at ways to, and not only, you know, it's, 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 um, it's hard to debate that again, like I said before, the disease is purely metabolic. Um, I don't feel equipped to do so. Um, but it's hard to, I guess, say that like, that's what we were trying to do. In my mind, I thought I got a lot of surgeries coming up. I want to try and eat food. that's going to help me prepare for those surgeries and come back quicker and faster. So I can get this restaurant open so I can get back to hiring. So I can get back to standard operating procedures. The second piece was the reason why we say eat like your ancestors is because we looked at things from a very ancestral perspective. So it's really not no red meat because, you know, from my research, my understanding is that we were eating bison thousands of years ago. 
Um, we've been eating red meat for a long period of time. Um, it was more about the processed ingredients. So at Elio, we don't use any processed oils like vegetable oils or canola oil or anything like that, that might go through some sort of chemical exchange so that the oil is extracted or bleached. Um, we kind of look at things as if we're going to use dairy, we're going to use grass-fed, grass-finished dairy. If we're going to use red meat, we're going to use grass-fed, grass-finished red meat. Um, and then, you know, kind of digging into the nutritional piece brought in a whole nother layer of environmental initiatives. So, and we can kind of dig into that a little bit later, but I don't, I don't want to keep on going on, but to answer your question, we really just focused on the sourcing and, and where the food's coming from. And then also to how it's processed. Sure. And when do you feel like when you started to focus on that, that you thought maybe your body was starting to react to all of that? Does that question make sense? Mm -hmm. Like when you all started focusing on what your wife was telling you, yeah. when do you think that you saw a change just based on what you're putting into your body? Yeah. So it wasn't too much of a shift. So it's tough because I was going through a lot of surgeries. And sure, sure, sure. Like right. Um, but I did get a little taste in about three months before I was diagnosed. Um, my wife asked me to do the whole 30 challenge. So that was Oof. another way to get me to, <laughs> to eat better Oof. was, yeah, was, was whole 30 and challenging. Your me. wife sounds like uh, a, like a dream. Let me tell you. <laughs> that whole 30 she, challenge is no joke. Ooh. She's amazing. She's my rock. And she, uh, she's, uh, she's amazing. She just wanted what was best for me. So yeah, I, uh, and I was, and I was, uh, I was hesitant. I will say, I think since 2016, she, uh, she's been right every time. I've never, never not listened to her. So now I'm just like, did you right. hear that? <laughs> did you hear that wife? What is your wife's name? Julia, Julia. She'll Julia. Yeah. He's going to repeat it. What did you say, Danny? She was what? She's been, she's been right. She was right ever since. Yeah. <laughs> she I'm going to edit that part out for your sake, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, no. So the whole 30 diet, you know, I, I, I recognize um, again too, that's like a reset diet. It's, it's a diet. It's not a, uh, it's not a lifestyle shift, um, but it was for a whole month. And I was like, whoa, I, you know, I only got five hours of sleep last night, but I feel really good today. And I just kind of started noticing through the whole 30 diet. And I was like, maybe there's something to this. I'll pick it back up later. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll revisit this some other time whenever I have to. Well, that, that some of the time was, you know, a few months later. Mm -hmm. Tell me what that call is like from the doctor, or I, I assume you felt something, right? You felt something and you went in to get it checked out. Yeah. 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 I thought it was a hernia. Um, I thought that it was something totally different. Um, I didn't have health insurance. Um, I didn't have a primary care physician. I went to like a minute clinic. They thought it was a million different things. So I'm thinking like, what's happening? You know, what, what's going to happen? And um, they said, we think this is testicular cancer. And also too, uh, a lot of times, and if anybody that's listening is, is in the healthcare profession, uh, we, we, see, we hear the C word and you automatically think like, I got to do something tomorrow. And they're like, get a, get an appointment for next week sometime. They'll come and see you. And I was like, wait, no, this needs to happen like tomorrow. So I was able to get into an oncologist about a week later. Um, so I'm literally like not sleeping for a week. We were also too like in the, in the depths of getting this restaurant open. Uh, we were at a trade show doing a consulting program in Chicago. And I'm like the whole time, just like trying to figure out how to get insurance, trying to figure out all this stuff. And, um, yeah, we, uh, the, the, the call is challenging. I think that whenever they told me like, this is, we have, there's a 90% chance that this is cancer. We need to do a surgery tomorrow. Um, I first was like, you have no idea what you're talking about. And then I was just kind of like, all right, what do we gotta do? Let's, let's just get it done. And that was pretty much the, the, 
the path forward. I had a surgery in, in June of 2016, um, mm. a minor surgery. And then I had a, they, they had thought that the cancer had spread to my uh, lymphatic system um, in my abdominal cavity. So I had to have all of those lymph nodes removed. So it left me scarred mm. from uh, the top of my, or the bottom of my sternum to the top of my pelvis. Um, so a pretty big incision, pretty big, long recovery. Um, also in the midst of, again, running, you know, running a startup and, and getting a restaurant going. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to hear. Um, I knew the whole time that I was, I was lucky cause I didn't have to go through chemotherapy. I didn't have to go through radiation. And, uh, also too, I mean, um, it was a pretty curable cancer. I, I felt really blessed. You know, we, we unfortunately lost my mother-in-law that December. Um, which is a lot harder, you know, she had a, a much more, um, aggressive form of ovarian cancer and, uh, it's, it's tougher. So it, you know, it's, it's tough to talk about because, uh, there's a lot of people out there that have it way worse. And, uh, you know, I was young, I was healthy. I was able to come back from it. Um, and, and unfortunately some people aren't as lucky. I was reading an article, um, about, about, about your, your story. And it mentioned that when you were in the hospital, I assume recovering from one of these surgeries is when kind of the light bulb went off. Yeah. Yeah. And that was in, like I said, that was in 2016. So, um, it was kind of like an aha moment. Um, I wasn't, I didn't even have Ellie yet. You know, I didn't know what it was going to be. I didn't know it was going to be food service management. I didn't know what it was going to be. I just thought I was, I was, uh, I, I hadn't eaten for six and a half days. I wasn't allowed to eat cause I had that massive uh, abdominal surgery. So the first thing I got, I really wanted vegetables. Cause like, I literally had nothing in my body. And at this point I had been eating a ton of vegetables, um, a good amount of lean meat, um, grass fed, grass finished stuff. And I was like, I just got to get some sort of nutrients in my body because I'm literally living off of an IV right now. Um, and I got the sea bass with like roasted vegetables and I'm at Sloan Kettering and I'm like, this is going to, this has to be good. Right. I mean, this this hospital stay is not going to be cheap for my insurance, for my insurance company. Um, and just to, you know, just, just to let y'all know the Sloan Kettering sea bass is not good. Um, <laughs> no offense to the folks up there. It might, they might've just been having a bad service, but, uh, it wasn't the best. The burger wasn't awesome either. Cause my wife was like, why would you pick the sea bass at a hospital? You get something like the burger. You haven't eaten for six days. Don't pick sea bass. So, um, yeah, the burger wasn't great either. And that's when I thought, you know, there's so much money that gets put into, uh, food service management and the hospital system. I was like, man, if we could just develop a program um, that we can get better food into schools, into hospitals, um, you know, let's, let's get it going that way. Um, and that's when I thought, how do you start a food service management company? You know, this is again, back in 2016. So um, how do you start a food service management company and take that same amount of detail and drive and passion from a Michelin starred uh, perspective and add it to just the day-to-day -day nine to five eating? And what's the answer? I'll let you know when I find out. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I think, um, well, you, just to kind of touch on another whole piece of this, and uh, I think that with my experience, and this is just purely my experience, um, the hospitality industry right now is, is obviously has a lot of attention on it. You know, we've heard a lot about um, staffing shortages and and challenges with staffing. And I heard a statistic the other day that something like 80% of hospitality employees that were polled don't anticipate coming back to the hospitality industry after all this is over. Um, and the reality is, is that the way that I look at it is like, we've got to create an environment where people are happy and, and people are, are generating meaningful work. 
um, whenever I was doing Michelin star cooking, which I still love, I still, I still read, uh, the Noma cookbook quite a bit. I was always a big Noma guy. Um, I'm still a big fan of Grant Ackett's and Thomas Keller and all, all those folks and the Boku's door, you know, group I've, I've worked with them in the past and, and hope to work with them again in the future. Um, but we were cooking, I was cooking every day from, you know, 9am till 1am for 18 people. And the ingredients weren't really anything crazy. We weren't supporting a local food system. We were getting stuff from like the equivalent of a corner store that just wasn't good quality stuff and charging an obscene amount of money for it. And everyone around me looked emotionally depleted. And I thought, well, you know, nobody's having fun. Nobody really enjoys this. I thought that I was going to get here and I was going to be around a group of individuals that were passionate and loved what they were doing. And everybody was just incredibly unhappy. Um, so whenever we opened Roots in Northern Virginia, which is the restaurant I was a partner in, you know, that was one thing we brought to the, to the table was let's bring, let's create an environment where people are happy to work. Um, and, and let's keep going in that direction. So I think that that's a piece of it. I think a piece of it is letting folks know that come to work with us that you're a part of something much bigger than just, you know, a big tab at the end of the night. Um, you're a part of something much bigger than, you know, accolades and awards and, and, and things like that. So we're trying to uh, really shift a food system and, and shift the way that we eat, you know, um, nine to five. So when you hear the word healthy, um, a lot of people think, ugh, this is going to be boring, right? Mm. Like that just happens to be what they connect in your head. I've read a little bit. I've not had any of your food. So I uh, know shame on me. No. But I've read a little okay. bit and you have like a billion influences. I mean, a billion, I mean like four, but like you're doing like Korean, European, um, like all sorts of great stuff. So is that your intent is to make what is coming out not only great for your body, but interesting too? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Roby did. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the biggest mission, the biggest part of this mission is to make the food accessible. And the way that I kind of look at accessibility is from a flavor standpoint. So um, we've got a chicken bacon ranch on the menu, which is like as classic as it gets. Um, I'd say that you know, that's probably our biggest seller and 90% of people I know like it. And I know some pretty picky eaters. Uh, the second piece is convenience. Whenever people like, if you do a whole 30 challenge, it is almost impossible to find somewhere to eat. Um, and the last piece is cost. So those first two pieces, I feel like we've, we've got figured out. Uh, we have these refrigerators that anybody can go to. Actually, Roby, the fact that you haven't had any of our food yet makes me feel like we failed because we haven't made it that convenient yet. It's oh, no, I just... Radically I just, convenient. It's kind of... No, it is not on you. That failure is not on you, I <laughs> we're promise. Gonna, we're, we'll go to the extent of just bringing it to your house. Don't do that. Me, Don't do DM that. DM me your address. <laughs> yeah, no, Don't do that. Thing. You can't get um, past the guards in the moat. Don't worry. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Yeah, it's, um, we'll drop it outside of your office. There we go. Yeah. We'll leave it with someone at the front desk um <laughs> That's, yeah, that'll you know, work her assistant will <laughs> we'll pick it up for you perfect i really do like the idea i don't know why i've been such a pain in the ass and not going by <laughs> to get one but you know i snacks. don't take i take zero offense to that i am completely aware i i was looking through i was listening to a couple of the podcasts recently and i was like i've seen lily pad probably a hundred times like just pop up on my instagram pop up tell friends tell me about it and I'm like, I'm going to get out there one of these days or like so many restaurants pre-pandemic, like Dutch and Co was like top of my list for so long. Um, Adara, which is still open, still on top of my list. And it's like, 
you know, Friday night comes around and we still just go to Anthony's on the hill. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's good. That's a good place to go. I will lay in traffic for Anthony's on the hill. I am the biggest Anthony's fan. Like it's good. it's good. He's so nice. I don't even know if his name's Anthony. We don't know each other. <laughs> it we follow be. each other on Instagram. <laughs> um, I love them. I like I like write big reviews on on Google about Anthony's. Um, <laughs> them them and Blanchard's. Like oh, those are God. my two like companies that I'm just like I'm in love with. The the Blanchard's team hosted us at Scott's Edition whenever we were just like just getting started and they had no reason to like do that for us and it was so amazing they're like great people dave blanch is an awesome guy drew dayberry love those guys Mm -hmm. seriously just like unbelievable because we can't do this without community partnerships and those guys are great so absolutely steven's good the whole group of them are great great guys over there steven trained my team in northern virginia on espresso back in 2016 and that's when i like became a blanchard's fan i was we were living in florida for a little bit i would like get blanchard blanchard shipped to my house in florida i don't blame you it's great stuff i drink it every morning there you go same same Same. i'm a dark as dark girl i just really like it yeah what about you scott uh the blanchard's blend is my morning coffee yeah. But the dark is dark is my gelati celesti flavor. So, Ooh. <laughs> so you come in all the bases. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm a I'm a handshake blend guy. Handshake Ooh. blend guy. Yeah, big fan. I like the handshake. I like the black dog. I mean, I got a lot of blanchards here, but the dark is dark is my favorite. Good. Low acid when I'm running. They have one of those, which is awesome. Yeah, you know, oh, there all. you go. In in all seriousness, I mean, that's what we wanted to do. We want to go above and beyond to try and get the food to people. Um, and the last piece of affordability is just going to have to come with scale. You know, as we continue to grow, we can order higher quantities of produce and higher quantities of meat. Um, we'll be able to reduce our prices. And that's what I hope to do in the future. What are the prices, Danny? So the prices are anywhere between four to $15. Some of our smaller snacks are $4. Some of our entree size portions are 15. Um, with that being said, our food cost is anywhere from like 33 to 44% you know, it's, it's high, it's, it's a low margin. Um, but I do believe that in the future, we'll be able to, to shrink that a little bit more and, and give people a, a really accessible uh, price per, per dish. So where are you making this food? Yeah, right behind me. Uh, <laughs> in the, uh, in the old plant zero cafe on uh 73rd street in Manchester. Um, I live in Woodland Heights. My wife uh, used to teach at Oak Grove Bellmead elementary school. Um, she's taking a little leave of absence because we're expecting a newborn in October. Aww. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it's our first. So we're super excited about that. Uh, but we love Manchester, like obsessed with Manchester. I love everything about Manchester. I love the industrial vibe. I hope to stay here as long as we can. As you all know, we might get priced out <laughs> pretty sure, quick. Crazy. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you have a spot in Manchester and you want us to be there, let me know. <laughs> So you're making it in Manchester at the old plant zero, but where are your refrigerators? Where are the refrigerators right now? We've got one here um, at 7 East 3rd Street, and that was our first one. Um, We decided it'd be a good idea to launch one here where it's right beside of us. We can see how it works. We can see, make sure everything flows well. We can see what people like. We can talk to guests. Um, Connection is really important to us with an autonomous vending machine. Obviously, it's hard to do that. Um, the second one went into the locks apartment complex. Um, fortunately my landlord, uh, owns the locks. So it was an easy, it was an easy segue. Um, and he loves our concept and now he wants them in all of his, all of his buildings. 
Um, but that one's doing great. Uh, great community over there at the locks. And the, the third one is at Alton Lane headquarters. However, it's outside and it's in Scott's edition. Um, and Alton Lane has been, you know, amazing to work with. They're a great company as well. And they were like, yeah, like just put it right outside. Anybody can use it. Um, so it's underneath of a big carport there um, beside a circuit barcade and across from Strange Ways Brewing. So um, that's the one that a lot of people go to. Um, Hull Street's tough to park on. Manchester still waiting to get its, uh, you know, I guess it's foundation. More people are moving in here. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, those are where they're at right now. We've got three more um, literally directly behind me. Um, and we just want to take the time over the last couple of months to get staffed up, train everybody, start working on some better menu items, rotating items, um, get all the standard operating procedures in place. Um, yeah. And, and we're going to deploy them all by between now and September. Do you know where they're going to go? Is this news no, that we should we have? Don't, we don't yet. No. Um, obviously we've been pushing hard for hospitals. Uh, we're really pushing hard for VCU. That's like number one on my list. Uh, we've had a one meeting with them. I'm going to continue to just keep on trying with that. And then, um, yeah, well, I think other than that, we might try and look into some communities where they can be outside that anybody can access them. Um, but yeah, no, no set in stone plan yet. A lot of, a lot of stuff still up in the air. What are some of the more popular menu items that you have to restock in these fridges more often than the others? Chicken bacon ranch is number one. That's the one that we make the most of every week. So when I hear chicken bacon ranch, I don't, the word healthy is not the thing that pops into my head. <laughs> me either. First of yeah. all. So for me, healthy is like, it's going to help me lose weight. I know that's not the right way to think <laughs> about healthy. I, I realize there's a disconnect yeah. in, my, in my brain. No, it's but, okay. But walk, help me, help me figure that out. Well, Scott, I can't say that it will help you make you lose weight, but there's a chance. I mean, there's a, <laughs> um, so you're saying he has a chance. <laughs> um, again, I am not a nutritionist. I feel like I have to say like, if there's any way you can put in the show notes, like a disclaimer <laughs> that I, uh, I am not a nutritionist. I'm not liable for any nutritional advice. He you know, only the plays <laughs> one on this podcast. <laughs> okay. Um, what I will say is that uh, the, the chicken maker ranch, I know it doesn't sound healthy, but so we use Joyce farms, chicken, um, a farm out of, uh, Winston, North Winston, Salem, North Carolina. Um, the reason I picked them is we've used a lot of local chickens. Um, but we really like Joyce specifically for their genetics. Um, and then also too, for their practices, um, they, from my understanding are a, a truly regenerative farm that's sequestering more carbon than they're emitting. Um, we love that practice. We, you know, I've been able to see some of the, the farming stuff from behind the scenes. Um, so we use them for chicken and then our baking comes from Adamala farms, which everybody know and loves Adamala. Um, no nitrates, no sugar, um, just salt and celery. And, um, yeah, we, we use those two things for the, for the proteins. Now, what's interesting about this is too, is we, we really try to utilize everything that we buy. So there's a, what we call our brassica chop. So it's any like broccoli stem, broccoli core or um, cabbage core, kale stems, anything that comes from the brassica, um, we chop up and cook with garlic, um, a little bit of bacon fat, a little bit of um, onion. And we put that into the mix. Lettuce, just a, a regular organic mescaline mix. Um, and then we make our ranch dressing in house um, with good quality, free range, actually free range grown eggs. Um, and we use grapeseed oil instead of canola oil. 
Um, we don't hide any sugar in there. So it's literally just eggs, grapeseed oil, um, some pickling liquid from our, our pickled cucumbers and um, onion powder, garlic powder, you know, all those things. So um, it's, it's perhaps a healthier version of a chicken bacon ranch. Big time. Yeah, big time. And the way that we look at this too is that like, you know, I think that there's been foods that have been deemed bad uh, when it comes to when it comes to nutrition or healthy. And I don't think that food is bad. Um, I think that there are if, if, if losing weight is your goal, if living to your 100 is your goal, there's different ways to, to work in that. And there's different diets that work for different people. You know, veganism works for a lot of people. Um, I'm personally not vegan. Um, but I know that it works. So we have vegan items. Uh, paleo works for a lot of people. Paleo has worked for me in the past. I've been able to incorporate some other things. Whole 30 works. So the goal was we're going to find something that matches in all those categories. And we're just going to really focus on the sourcing. So the chicken bacon ranch is keto and paleo. Um, and I guess it would be considered whole 30 as well. So it fits into all those dietary guidelines. Whereas might be more perceived more be perceived perceived as healthy um but it has legumes which wouldn't really be considered whole 30 or, or paleo or keto because of the carbohydrate content right um so but again to organic navy beans um organic olives um red wine vinaigrette that kind of stuff so again the perception of health um is 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 in some ways subjective some people would say that it's a little bit more objective if you look at science and data um, the way that we look at it is let's just make sure it comes from a good quality source and we're here to support you whatever your, you know, um, health journey is. And about how long does the food stay quote unquote fresh in these fridges? Like, is there, a, is there food that you have to throw out, get rid of, re recycle, give to someone else? How does that work? Yeah. Three days max. So that's a tricky one too, is, uh, Typically I eat it <laughs> if it doesn't, uh, or we, we use it for family meal. Um, we put the date that it was prepped on the bottom of the bowl, uh, versus the best buy date. I always thought that that was kind of subjective as well. Um, because you don't really know when it was made. You just know when it's best buy. Um, so we put the bottom of the, on the bottom of the bowl, we put the dates, um, three days, four days, max, depending on the bowl, depending on the dish. Um, that has been the biggest challenge as far as this whole concept. You know, I've been, like I said before, I've been in a restaurant for 15 years. It's a little bit easier if you prep something on Monday to refresh it on Friday, and then you get one more day out of it, um, which, you know, totally happens in a refrigerator. It's done. It sits there um, and there's no refreshing. You know, it's, it's got three days. We're really fortunate that um, there's not a lot of leftover. Um, there's certain weeks where a mushroom burger doesn't sell. Um, and I'm eating mushroom burgers for the next week. Um, we want to be able to donate stuff. We just don't have the, the amount of overflow yet. And if we're going to donate food, we want it to be the same quality that we're selling it for. Um, I don't want to give people, you know, leftover stuff. Uh, we have had some folks that come in and ask if, if we have anything left over and we, we run it by them and tell them when it was made and they're typically more than happy to accept it. Um, but that's on rare occasions. So. Can I go to the fridge and get a whole meal? Like me and a couple friends, can we have a picnic? Is there like, I, and for me, a whole meal, I mean, I eat a lot, you know, this yeah. is probably, you probably are aware. Um, it's the entree, maybe a dessert and a drink. Can I do that? Yeah, desserts are gonna be on the menu very soon. We got a, we got a couple folks here working on it for us. Um, 
we're also looking at some collaborations. We do have a, a really cool brand of uh, consumer packaged goods called Honey Mamas. It's like a paleo chocolate. It's just cacao and honey. Um, they've got one in there. We or we've got one in there that's a, a tangerine chocolate. So that could be definitely a dessert. We I like it a lot. But we're looking for something a little bit more substantial um, that will hopefully fit in paleo and Whole30 guidelines for for dessert, um, but not suck. Um, <laughs> the uh, the the other piece of your question, yes, we have kombucha, we have coffee, we have CBD sparkling water, we have regular sparkling water. Um, and then we have six like lunch dinner size entrees. So like we have the chicken bacon ranch, which is a salad, the mushroom burger, which is a salad. And then we have a salad that rotates every week this week. It's the Mediterranean. And then we have three bowls or plates. Um, one that's rotating this week is the beef burrito. And honestly, it might stay on forever because I'm like refilling it every day. Um, the broad street bully, which is a roasted pork shoulder, um bowl it's more like a you know a good old-fashioned barbecue bowl um and then the thai coconut curry which is our vegan bowl um and then for breakfast items we've got overnight oats nice nice cinnamon raisin they're a they're a big hit but we've got a lot of flavors that are going to be coming out they're going to be rotating pretty often as well we used to do a in the winter time we did a red eye oats with blanchard's handshake blend oh nice that sounds delicious yeah so how did you land on the vending machine, the vending machine concept? You were talking about bringing good food to hospital and to hospital settings, to corporate settings. Mm-hmm. Um, what, when did you say, maybe we'll have to pause that for a moment and we're going to do in the neighborhood with, with these vending machines? Uh, yeah. The, so that's a great question, Scott. Um, Cause it's a big part of what we, <laughs> how we came to be. Um, so whenever I decided, okay, well, food service management companies run hospitals. And like I said, previously in our conversation, there was either fine dining or corporate. And what I was told in culinary school was corporate was Airmark, Sodexo, Compass. Like that was the direction you go in. So I did a lot of research on how do you start, you know, one of those companies. It would, and it'd be almost like saying, how do I start Google tomorrow? I mean, these companies are massive. So I basically took the biggest end goal, which is Sodexo Airmark Compass, and just worked my way back with the resources that I had. And I was like, I could do pop-up cafeterias and businesses that don't have cafeterias, but have the finances or have the, the capital to do so. So we'll go to tech companies, we'll go to companies like Gather, um, co-working spaces, and we'll set up cafeterias. Um, and we'll you know focus on connection, focus on just being like a positive energy through the, through the workspace during lunchtime. We'll bring these same values to the table. It's going to be great. We'll do build your own bowls. We'll do all this stuff. And um, I built the concept, did the back end at Gather, and um, then the pandemic happened. <laughs> so I feel like that's like probably the uh, the, um, the the climax for any story in the last year. Any new business that started in 2020 um, was my my vision was we'll get ready by April 1st. I'll have a space. I'll start doing some some more, you know, conceptual stuff on the menu and we'll be ready to launch by May at the latest. Um, but everything was just taken longer than I anticipated. And then came March, March 15th, like I said, my wife was a school teacher. So, um, there was a shutdown. I was like, all right, well, I got two weeks to kind of slow down and, and regather and make sure, you know, I've got my supply chain in order. I got everything else. And then I was like, in two weeks, we'll get back and hit the ground running. And that two weeks just kept on, you know, um, um, moving on. And I was like, in June, I was like, I'm still going to do this. We're going to get it done. Uh, I know people are going to start going back to work soon. And my wife was like, you're going to have to do something else <laughs> that nobody's going to want to see their food out in the open in an office building anymore. Um, those days are long gone. And uh, 
remember earlier I said she's always right. So I was just like, I'm not going to argue with you on this one. I'm just going to look for something else. And um, I had a meeting with Gather and they were talking about honesty markets. And um, I thought it was a great concept. Um, but I was like, I bet we could do something way cooler than an honesty market. So I just Googled vending machines. Um, I found the ones that I have now. They're made in California. Um, the shipping is terrible, but uh, everything else is great. Um, there's been a bunch of companies that uh, have been selling there. So I've been flying up to Philadelphia and, you know, driving around and picking them up. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of how it happened. I was like, well, this can at least get us to market and um, post pandemic world. Maybe we can revisit that, uh, that food service management idea. However, now it's like we have the opportunity to, with way lower impact, um, to just set up a five by five square foot space anywhere with a power outlet and some coverage um, and, and provide the same service. So neat. I really think the whole idea is just brilliant, especially from a healthy food standpoint. I always stand in front of a vending machine and think, ah, do I really <laughs> want to cheese it? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I love a cheese it, but like I do, I'm like, mm, is this a good idea? I don't really know. What brought you to Richmond? So my wife is from Charlottesville. She went to U of R. I'm from Hagerstown. I went to school in Baltimore. Somehow a bunch of our friends ended up here. Literally, I think that's like the, you, you grow up in Charlottesville, you move to Richmond. Um, and then too, like, so that was like the main thing. We were, we were uh, city shopping for a little bit. I lived in Chicago for a little while. I love Chicago. It's just like way too expensive. Uh, we love Brooklyn, love New York City. Um, again, too, just way too expensive. Richmond was like all of those things. It was literally everything we wanted minus a sports team, but go squirrels. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, minus a major league sports team. So yeah, that's why. And then, and then the food scene was just like for a smaller city. Um, I mean, we were just like, what are all these places? Like we saw long oven pump popping up, you know, um, Little Nickel, Pearly's, like all these amazing spots, ZZQ. And we were like, okay, this is a, a good spot. We came and visited some friends right before we moved here. And we were like, I think this just might be it. Let's just go for it. Um, and yeah, now we're diehards. I think that non-major league baseball team could use a um, vending machine, healthy food saying. spot. What do you think? <laughs> Parney, can you That's hear us? Saying. He needs a vending machine <laughs> at the squirrels. That's what I'm saying. Or kickers. The kickers, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna chase oh, them yeah. down. No pun intended. I probably could never catch any of those guys, but no. But they really would like a chicken bacon ranch. <laughs> there you go. Join the club. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, we appreciate you being with us. Um, I, I know appreciate that, you. Yeah. That you have lots of things going on. One more time for everybody who wanted wants to maybe visit one of those. You are located in Manchester, outside of Alton. Alton, Alton, how do you pronounce Alton, that? Alton. The men's clothing place in Scott's edition. And then off of Hall Street? We're, yeah, so we're right off of Hall Street and 7 East 3rd Street. Um, it's Hall and 3rd Street, um, 3121 West Lee Street, Alton Lane headquarters. Um, and then the, unfortunately, the one in, at the locks is only for locks residents um, for now, but hopefully we'll have a location close to there soon. Awesome. You're listening to Eat It Virginia with Roby and Scott and Danny Sterling of Elia, which essentially rhymes with Hellia. Yeah. So did Danny convince you to try one of his vending machines now? I feel like anytime somebody says chicken bacon ranch, I think of Wendy's and a fast food, so I'm dying to try it. 
I know, it's healthy chicken bacon ranch. I mean, yes. It's the best kind which of chicken so, bacon ranch. Which is so good, I think. So I'm totally going to do that. So Dinner in Blanc is back, Scott. Dinner in Blanc. I've never attended that event. Usually you've got 1,200 plus guests. It's been at the Arthur Ashe, um, like right in front of Virginia Museum of History. It's been on Arthur Ashe. So all white clothing, all white tablecloths, all white chairs, everything. It's snacks. This year it's at the Common House. Oh, very nice. Common House where I had three tomato dishes during Hot Tomato Summer. I got to see yes, our friends. Yes, because you ordered all three of them. Got to see, got to see our friend Chauncey <laughs> Jenkins. I did not see Chauncey, but I did see Michael Smith. Chauncey is a Who? busy man at the at the Common House. He had one of those like earpieces in. I feel like he was in the Secret Service running around. Everybody is is fully Secret Service up there. Do you know that Michael Smith is leaving the Common House? Actually, I found out that night. Yes, it's, he, Michael was not there when I was there, but I heard he was uh, going on to a new endeavor. He's going to sell organic, well, natural selection wines, which native selection wines, which I feel like we should. Um, Native selections that are natural and organic wines. There it is. I got it that time. Thank you very much. Huzzah! Think you should come on our podcast and talk about wines. That would be lovely, of course. Now tell me about the mayonnaise ice cream because I tried to go to the mayonnaise ice cream spot twice to get Rabia's ice cream, and right. both time I was foiled. So among I had like I mentioned, I ate a lot of tomatoes, and I had many good dishes. Among them was Ruby Scoops mayonnaise ice cream which when you read those words for me anyway it didn't sound like something i would want to try but as you mentioned i'm ordering all these dishes i have to try it i should have put my faith in my trust in rubia because she knocked it out of the park with the mayonnaise ice cream it tasted like a really like just a very creamy vanilla and she put it between two uh, pieces of pound cake with a tomato jam and <laughs> And I'll have to be honest, I, I ran over there on a lunch break and I got the scoop of the tomato sorbet and I got the, the scoop of the mayonnaise ice cream and I'm driving back to work, trying to eat it in my car in my shirt. Oh my God. It was such a freaking mess. I felt like I was eight years old, but it was such a great feeling to not only see Rubia and, and share a smile, see her face to face, but also to try that because uh, I was very surprised, not because of what she does is always, isn't always awesome, but just because mayonnaise ice cream, who would have thunk it? And it, it really, she really did a great job with it. So I like you to know that I saw her at Fuzzy Cactus when I was eating all that deliciousness. Um, all of the that fried green tomato biscuit was banging, and I would like you to know that I almost asked her about mayonnaise ice cream while she was sitting at the bar. But then I would have been that rat bastard that bothered her while she had some off time. So I was like, I'm just gonna let the genius of ice cream have her drink and go home in peace. That was a good call on your part. And it also, helped, like it it also helped me win the trophy, so. Uh, it, I don't know, you know, I'm sure, you know what, she did give you a leg up because I didn't get anything from there, but I did have the best tomato sandwich I've had in a while from lunch and supper, so. Shouts, pretty solid. shouts to all these restaurants that did such a great yep. job. I have news! I am deaf, what's your news? Pops on Grace. Yes. It's gonna stay open as Pops on Grace with a little bit of help from our first and our 50th podcast guests, Kim and Mike Lindsay. That is so exciting. I read the articles that have been uh, published and we have, has Kim slipped any uh, insider information your way? Just that they are going to keep a lot of the people that are involved originally. They don't plan on changing much at all. They're just going to be around being great people. And we can get those good English muffins. I would like to talk about your, have you seen your mandate since you had chicken hearts? <laughs> I have not, no. 
No, Bobo's a very busy man. He, he's running one of the best restaurants in town. He can't just drop everything on a whim and take me out for dinner. It's, you know, it's a once in a, once in a while. I'm playing it slowly. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Oh. Hard to get. He's calling me. He's DMing me. Our he's offering you beers. Blowing up. Yeah, it's just, Bobo. Back off, man. <laughs> back off. Well, can you back so far off that you're going to come on the podcast? Because that's what I would like to have happen. There are many chefs that, that are, you know, that want to take me out for dinner, Bobo. So just, you know, take a breath. I can't even keep a straight face. Are you, wait, you just invited Bobo on? After yeah, I'm telling I, him I, want to, I need my space, you're inviting him on the podcast? He can do it by Zoom. <laughs> this episode of Eat It Virginia. Eat It Virginia? <laughs> This episode of Eat It for <laughs> No! Oh, God, no.